And so we like to be honest around here and say there's a little bit of a, a tension at the holidays when everybody's supposed to be together and everybody's supposed to get along and sometimes that doesn't always work out that way. And then it's been, it's been about two and a half years since we lost my dad and um, I don't think we're ever going to get used to him being absent. So that's, that's mixed in there with the holidays as well. But like Vince talked about in his sermon last week, I I try to do the very best I can to just focus on the good and the pure and the lovely things and to cast my anxiety on God and allow him to shoulder the things that I'm struggling with. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message last week, I would really encourage you to go and listen to that online at vineyardrolla.org. Uh, Just a powerful word about how to avoid getting swept up into emotional chaos during the holiday season. So that was really good. And we are officially into the holiday season, are we not? As of today, I I cannot believe this sentence that's about to come out of my mouth, but as of today, there are 30 days left until Christmas Eve. Did you guys know that? Raise your hand if you have started shopping. (laughs) Raise your hand if you have not bought one single Christmas present. (laughs) 30 days, you guys. It's go time. For real. It's so wild how fast it seems to happen. You know, one day it's Labor Day, and then the next thing you know, um, here we are at the end of November, and the holidays are upon us. If only there were a way that we could slow down and be a little bit more mindful. Finding themselves in a world where time has been transformed into an instrument of God's revelation. In other words, Christians made their own calendar and relived the story of God throughout the year. Let me demonstrate. So the church calendar is divided into two halves. The first half starts in December with Advent, and it stretches all the way to Pentecost in May or June. And this part of the year tells the story of Jesus from his birth and death, his resurrection and ascension. And the second half of the year starts at Pentecost and then goes all the way to Christ the King Sunday in late November. It tells the story of God's people, the church. For the next six months, the church follows this calendar and relives the story of Jesus. As any good story does, we'll start right at the beginning with chapter 1. This is where we observe the season of Advent and wait with expectation and prepare for the birth of Jesus. As chapter 1 ends, we move to chapter 2. This chapter brings news of great joy as we celebrate Jesus' birth and the feast of Christmas. We then turn the page to chapter 3. We remember the appearance of Jesus to the entire world, represented by the visiting magi from afar. The story begins its climax with chapter 4. This ushers in the solemn season of Lent, where, like Jesus' real desert, we spend 40 days in a metaphorical desert, pulling away from created comforts to make space for God. This chapter is long and difficult, but the joy of chapter 5 is worth the wait. Jesus' resurrection from the dead makes Easter Sunday the ultimate celebration which then leads to the sixth and final chapter. 
Jesus' story concludes not only with his ascension into heaven, but with the coming of his spirit sent to create a new community, the church, to continue his work on earth. To listen to the church tell the story of the Lord is to listen to the Lord of the church. Reliving the first six chapters of the year not only shapes our worship, but it brings Christ into our very lives today. In Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany, it's as if we're with him in his birth and earthly ministry. In Lent, Easter, and Pentecost, we are again right by his side through death, burial, and resurrection. Living our faith through the lens of Jesus sanctifies our own lives. For his is an epic story of darkness and light, grief and joy, struggle and rest. It mirrors the tensions and complexity of our own stories. And through it all, we're placed right in the middle of the great drama of God's redemption of the world. So you're invited to live the Christian year these next six months. The ordinary season is past. It's time to inhabit the story of God. That's so good. That's so good. The Christian calendar, the church calendar, it may or may not be something that you're familiar with, depending on what faith tradition you've been exposed to, if, if any at all. Um, but I absolutely think that it is a fantastic tool, even though it's not emphasized commonly in a lot of Protestant de- denominations. It's a fantastic tool for just helping us connect with a spiritual rhythm of life for helping us take this um, kind of wider view of time and the movements of God, both throughout history and also in our own lives. I'm a firm believer that it is wisdom, it is wisdom to use a wide variety of tools and structures and disciplines and practices that support our spiritual formation. Whatever is useful to us in that process of becoming transformed into the likeness of Jesus, both for our own sake and for the sake of those around us. That's what I mean by spiritual formation. Anything that is useful in that process, I feel like it is wisdom to take advantage of that. And the church calendar is certainly one of those such tools. Today is actually the last Sunday in the cycle, mentioned in the video, Christ the King Sunday. And so this is an excellent time to become aware of this structure because we're basically starting at day one from the beginning. Because next Sunday, we are about to enter into the season of Advent. And so we'll be working through a sermon series that we're introducing this week, but Advent, Advent actually starts next Sunday. We'll be working through a sermon series that's been designed especially for the season of Advent. For four weeks, each week we will focus on a different spiritual reality, starting with hope, peace, joy, and love. And each week we'll talk about an aspect of the arrival of Christ that that those concepts are relevant to. And each week, you might have noticed that we've got the candles set up over here, these purple, and then the pink pink candle is for Joy Sunday. Um, Those symbolize the way that Jesus, the way that his birth, um, he is the light of the world that entered into this 
this world. And each week we'll light another one of those candles to symbolize another one of those aspects of the way that he um, dispels the darkness both in, again, history and in our own hearts. And each week as we light the candles, there'll be a simple prayer that I'll, I'll lead us through and we can say together and just in unity appreciate that symbolism. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll have our annual candlelight service. That'll be at 5 o'clock. And on that evening, uh, we'll, we'll spread the light and the flame from our Advent candles to our individual candles as we celebrate that together. So all of those activities that we're going to be participating in over the next several weeks, they are designed to engage our hearts and engage our minds because we want to enter into some careful and mindful reflection this holiday season as we consider the miracle of Jesus' birth and the fierce love of a father who would send him into this world. Advent. Advent literally means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, as a human infant, which we celebrate at Christmas, represents all of that. All of that is embodied in the incarnation of Jesus. It's not only the arrival of him as a person, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, that we celebrate, but it's also the inbreaking of God's kingdom into human history. That's quite an event. And even though the observance of Advent has been around for centuries and this vineyard movement for mere decades. I think there's something very vineyard about the way that Advent is meant not only to uh, help us prepare our hearts for the celebration of Christmas where Jesus came already, he already arrived into human history and we celebrate that, but there's also an aspect that parallels where we remind ourselves that we're looking forward to him coming again as well. He's, he's coming again for a second time, and so there's that future. Kingdom of God has come. Kingdom of God is coming that we're celebrating there simultaneously. Our Savior both came and is coming, just as the kingdom is all at once, both now and not yet. The fact that Jesus came and that he's coming is important very, very important. But just as important is the manner in which he came. How did he come? He did not come as he was expected to come, did he? The Jews at the time, they were anticipating something very different. Very, very different. They looked for a mighty ruler who would throw off the oppression of the Romans who would restore the kingdom of Israel to glory and riches and political power. And instead, instead, the high king of heaven, the ruler of all the universe, he came to us in the most vulnerable form that he possibly could, the most vulnerable form imaginable, 
a squalling, helpless human infant, a humble king, a humble king, a king who bowed low in service to all of humanity, a king who welcomed the powerless into his presence. Not only did he welcome them into his presence, but those were the people that he sought out. A king who absolutely intended to bring freedom from oppression. But those to whom he offered that freedom and the way in which he offered it deeply offended the religious people of the day. Could it be, do you think, Is it possible that there might be some parallels there for us today? You betcha. Absolutely. We are just as susceptible now, today, in this context, in this culture, just as susceptible to confusion about the kind of king that we serve. And we would do well at this time of year, just like any other time of year, to search our hearts, to search the scriptures, to allow the Holy Spirit to show us the ways, to illuminate the ways that we seek to make God in our own image rather than humbling ourselves at his feet. And that's the purpose of our sermon series for Advent that's called Humble King. As we prepare ourselves to celebrate Christmas, we want to align our hearts with Jesus, with his heart, with his posture toward the world. We want to imitate him as we follow him. And this is exactly what Paul challenges us to do in Philippians. The first half of Philippians 2 is is the scripture passage that we're going to circle back to again and again in each message of this Advent series. Let's read it together now. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Paul admonishes us. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, if you have any of those things, then Paul says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather... In humility, value others above yourselves. 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Verse five, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And he goes on in verse six to describe to us what is the mindset of Christ? What is the posture of our humble king? What is he like? What kind of a king is it that we follow and we serve? Jesus, being in very nature God, absolutely 100% divine, high king of heaven, he did not consider his equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, that tiny, helpless, squalling baby, By taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just as a side note, not, not in my notes, we're all in trouble when I go off script, but we, 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 lots of times we lift out those last few verses about every knee bowing and every tongue confessing and we, we make it this like triumphal scene of, of people being forced to kneel in front of this powerful ruler, but you can't pluck that up out of the context in which it is written where it is the humility of Jesus and his posture at the feet of the people that are his servants. He is bowing before them that leads to this exaltation. It is, it is very backwards and upside down the way God chooses to do things. Our king made himself nothing and took on the nature of a servant. We sang that song earlier, the humble king song. It's a beautiful, beautiful old vineyard song. It's several years old, but I love that they've pulled it out and dusted it off for this Christmas season and just made it fresh because I feel like it is such a a relevant and timely message for us in the church. We declare in that song, I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like you. I want to have this heart in me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And as we finish up today, we're going to sing this song again. And I really want to encourage you to reflect on these words. To really turn this song into a prayer into your prayer of surrender to Jesus for this Advent season, for this time of preparation, 
for this time of anticipation. A prayer of praise for the king that we serve, the kind of king that we serve. And a prayer of surrender as we ask him to make us more like himself. And it's my prayer for you that as we go about our business the next few weeks, preparing for families and preparing for celebrations and and preparing food and buying presents and wrapping things and all of the busyness of this Christmas season, that you will be reminded of this song. That you will be reminded to slow your pace and slow your heart and that you will not be robbed of the opportunity carefully and mindfully reflect on our humble king and all of the implications of his coming in our life. I'm looking forward to spending the next few weeks with you. So just as we finish up today, let's, let's stand together. We want to sing this song again. Really focus on the words and make this the prayer of your heart. God of the humble 
Have a great day.